Welcome to the Timitit Podcast, where we have stimulating and all-inspired conversations with thinkers, dreamers, makers, movers, and trailblazers. In this episode, I speak to Renata, personal self-defense instructor and coach. I must say I learned so much backstory from my coach as Renata and I attended a life coaching class a few years ago together. In our chat, she shares about her combat sports past, lessons learned from an injury that ended her sporting and competitive pursuit, and how that has led her to her current endeavor and mission. She also shares what she calls a stupid move that could have turned fatal for her and her family, yet that stupid move saved her life then. In our conversation, she talks about how she used diplomacy and the de-escalation techniques she teaches to fend off an attacker who had entered their house. And by the way, as she relates in the incident, this was the second time being accosted by an attacker, a gun-toting attacker, in their compound. The reaction with the home invasion was a very, very different reaction. It was, okay, so, you know, very calm, very collected, and, and in fact, time just slowed down because that's your training, you know, and, mm-hmm. and I in fact managed to, to literally stalk this guy out of my house without leaving anything to any violent outburst. In fact, I had de-escalated the point oh. that he literally, he literally left my house with an old cell phone. That was it. I call her ninja and black belt because I saw her fully kitted in action, training men and women in defense, self-defense lessons, as one of the ways to combat gender-based violence. This is an initiative she's committed to and has been running boot camps across the country. Fortuitously, the next step was then in fact given to me in the Mm. sense that I was held up at gunpoint in my driveway. Uh, with an, uh, in an attempted carjacking. And, um, and there were two guys that tried to hold me up. And of course, the long and the short of it was that um, they didn't get my car because I was just one of those people that kind of went, you are not taking my stuff, go away. Uh, of mm. course, it was, it, was, it, was, it was certainly not as delicate and as polite as the conversation we're having now. <laughs> I'm it waiting to lot, hear what you did to it was this. A lot, it was a lot more robust and certainly yeah. not as polite. Yes, this is one of those awe-striking, inspiring conversations with a friend who is tough-minded as she is sweet. Listen in and be inspired by the practical insights she shares on how to react or de-escalate a situation in times of crisis. As she says, the decisions you choose in those split seconds are the most crucial and could define the rest of your life. You, you literally have three seconds to, de- to, to determine a life or death situation. Wow. Three seconds is all you have to decide whether you are going to be a prisoner of your conscience or you are going to be able to sleep soundly at night without Um, eternal flashbacks, because they will be there.
So, you know what? I'm so excited to finally be able to have the opportunity to really just chat to you. Uh, and definitely there's a lot of highlights um, and you, you, you'll have also your highlights. I think meeting you through the coaching program that you and I attended a couple of years ago and then reconnecting last year, that was a very big highlight. And then it was coming through. It was amazing. Yeah. Yes. And then coming through to, to, to your boot camp and all the amazing things. And then obviously, again, uh, you are Team Inspiration on 2019. You know, uh, you, you made that list that I came up with a few years ago. <laughs> but, you know, and, and, and just really uh, where we are right now. And um, so I will allow you to start whichever way you want in terms of whether our recollection and how we connected. And then we'll jump into the other nice topics. You know, I know you're into yeah. coaching and well, I mean, all the beautiful I mean, yeah, things. Just, so. it, was, it was so great to be able to reconnect with you. You know, I mean, yeah. can you believe we did our course in 2013? It's been that long ago. What? Yeah, right? <laughs> 2013 was our first meeting, if you can believe that. I mean, it feels, on the one hand, it feels like such a long time ago. But on the other hand, it, it you know, when we reconnected last year, it was almost as though there was no time that had, in fact, lapsed. Yes. It just picked up as if we had spoken to each other like yeah. two or three days earlier. It was so amazing and it was so nice yeah. to, be able to just redo that. And I was so grateful that you were able to, in fact, come, to, come and join us. Well, not join us, but, you know, come and see um, what yeah. we do in our boot camp because it has been so phenomenal for so many of, 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 the, of the people that have joined our boot camp and perhaps you know it's a good opportunity for us now to just chat a little bit about what, what that boot camp was about you know yes, it was a yes. personal it was a personal self-defense it was one of many that I run um, and in fact I have a re regular schedule of camps of course, COVID-19 has, has really just upended that schedule completely. Um, yeah. but, but that, again, is what it is. You know, um, we, we have, when priorities present themselves, we, we do need to reshuffle what those are, you know. And at the moment, that's not a high priority. But, um, you know, some of the feedback from that particular workshop, you know, we had run a national workshop for personal self-defense, specifically for women, uh, specifically geared against uh, gender-based violence. Yeah. And um, one of the things that we had aimed to do was in fact run parallel workshops nationwide um, on that particular day, which we in fact succeeded in doing. We, um, we ultimately landed up with, I think it was 800 or 900 women around the mm -hmm. country um, doing the exact same workshop at the exact same time in probably about 30 or 40 different locations around the country, which was Okay, let's do this, let's phenomenal. do this, let's do this, let's do this, let's do this, let's do this. I want the backstory. How okay. did you end up? Because, you know, when I land, arrived there, because obviously I knew, oh, my friend, coach, you know, coaches, we are like, so how are you feeling? And like, you look dangerous. And it's like, this is a ninja right here. So wh where did this come from? And how did you end up there? Because it's, it's actually very rugged, very robust, rigorous, 
and yet very effective. So, I mean, I, I'm very curious on the backstory of how you ended up with that. And then obviously you'll tell us also about your coaching. How did you end up in coaching and what you do uh, yeah, at the moment? So, I'm very curious on the backstory. So, so, I mean, I've always been into combat sport. You know, I, I spent about 17 or 18 years doing karate. I participated mm. at national level. Um, I competed at national level wow. and and so you know um, after a number of uh, uh, competitions and a couple of the accolades that go with that uh, two silver medals at SA championships and um, um, I in fact had, had endured a, a very significant injury at one of those competitions to the point where in fact um, I was unable to walk well, yeah, I had in fact dislocated a sacrum, tilted a pelvic girdle. I mean, it was it was it was a significant um, significant injury that had in fact taken two years of rehabilitation to get me back to a point where I could actually walk. Wow. Yeah, um, and and of course, aside from the physical rehabilitation, you know, there was a lot of the mental adjustment because one of the things I needed to, in fact, go into was something called um, uh, sport therapy, where I had to kind of reframe um, my drive to go back the next year and get that gold. I mean, that was, that was the plan. You know, wow. and, until, until I realized, ooh, um, that injury uh, is not going to allow that to happen. And so I think, you know, aside from the physical rehabilitation that needed to happen over a, a, a period of two years, you know, there was that mental therapy. I literally had to go and see a sports psychologist, um, you know, wow. and, and wow. to, to, to just help me. Um, readjust and recalibrate at a mental level, you know, that that plan is no longer on the table. That possibility is not going to be a reality ever. Oh. And, 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 and that, was, that was quite devastating. Because, you know, when, when, when you're competing at those kinds of levels, you, you are definitely in a different headspace and your sole goal is, uh, you know, to, to achieve that next level. And then, you know, some medical fraternity boy tells you, hell no, that's never going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and you kind of look at this guy and you go, nobody tells me I can't do that. <laughs> Yeah. You know, and, and you're kind of in that space and you're in the space of complete denialism that goes, nobody tells me I can't, you know, and, can I'm gonna and, and you kind of get into that space that goes, um, no, you know, I, I don't accept that. I, I don't believe you. But somewhere in, in the deep depths of your cellular being, you kind of know, okay, hmm. Actually, you know, you know at a cellular level that what you're hearing is in fact a fact. You're never going to get there. Um, your body, your mind may be willing, but your body is going, hmm. mm -hmm. uh, not today, Josephine, and maybe not even Monday, you know. And, and so you, you slowly but surely kind of um, recalibrate your thinking. And, and that's what I did over a period of about three or four years. 
and, and so, that, was this something you wanted to do like the whole sport and karate yeah. and because that's a very specific it's not like netball and some cute no, girl play no, yeah. look at <laughs> well, me it, it was that? something that i'd always wanted to do i eventually started um i i i'd risen through the ranks i've achieved my belt my black belt as i say i competed at national level and so forth and so on you know and and then you get this devastating news that that's about as far as you're going to go you know you, you're never going to get that gold you're never going to uh, you you've hit your ceiling and even 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 though you know that that's not the ceiling it's your ceiling and yeah. and and that's where you have to make that calibration your ceiling now becomes the ceiling and you and you know there there's a level of acceptance that eventually happens over a period of time and and um and that it was at that point where where I kind of went okay you know if if that's not if that's not going to be the next step then what is the next step and um fortuitously the next step was then in fact given to me in the mm. sense that i was held up at gunpoint in my driveway oh. uh, with an uh, in an attempted carjacking and um and there were two guys that tried to hold me up and of course the long and the short of it was that um they didn't get my car because i was just one of those people that kind of went you are not taking my stuff go away uh, of mm. course it was it was it was it was certainly not as delicate and as polite as the conversation we had now <laughs> i'm <laughs> waiting to lot, hear what you did to it this it was a lot it was a lot more robust and certainly yeah. not as polite um but I think that was the turning point for me where I realized that you know my reaction in that particular incident was so completely instinctive but so mm. completely irresponsible because what I had done was in fact opened a door to the potential of my entire family uh potentially being um you know made victim to a then home invasion and mm. thought, what, what what am i doing what is that you know that was the stupidest thing i'd ever done um the car was insured why did i not just get out and hand the keys over i mean it would literally have been that simple and and yet i didn't and it was only mm-hmm. kind of days after that that mm-hmm. i i started replaying that incident and going Wow, that was such a stupid move. You know, why didn't you just hand the keys over? And can I tell you something? To this day, that was probably about fifteen or eighteen years ago, and I cannot to this day tell you why I did not hand the keys over. I, I can't tell you. It would have been the easiest thing in the world to do is just get out of the car and say, "There's the keys. Off you go. Bye." And so what happened? Some- Well, well, you know these these guys blocked me in my driveway. Yeah. Um in their vehicle. Um one got out, you know, knocked on my window with his firearm, held the firearm to my head and said, "Get out. Um we take your car." And I was like, "No! That's not going to happen. Are you mad?" You know, and I pulled into my driveway. My dogs then stood at the gate. Mm. And I closed the gate and and somehow they didn't realize that or wanted to 
come past the dogs, whatever it was, they didn't do that. You know, and I then kind of used some choice language on them and they eventually realized, okay, this plan is not going to work. The gate was closing. Mm -hmm. um, they couldn't then get the vehicle out of the yard. And um, I then stayed in the vehicle until they had in fact driven out. And I, once they had driven away, I then exited my vehicle and got in, you know, walked inside. And it was at that wow. point that I realized that was such a stupid thing to have done. Maybe you know, and maybe not. Because I think if you, I mean, honestly, again, obviously we're, thinking, we're speaking with a certain sense of responsibility presumed. But yeah. do you reckon there's a certain sense of divine guidance? Because I mean, you are not in your own, if you really... Absolutely. Listen, I tell yeah. you something, I had an army of angels keeping me yeah. safe and keeping my family safe. Because the fact of the yeah. matter is that, you know, there were three of them in the vehicle. Yeah. You know, absolutely nothing stopped them from shooting and killing my dogs. And then you know, walking into my house. My house was only open for heaven's sake. You know, my husband <laughs> had opened the gate. He'd opened yep. the security gate because he's seen me pull into the driveway. So he went and he opened the gate to allow me to then come in, um, you know, without needing to, to, to worry about still unlocking the gate. He'd actually unlocked the security gate for me and then waited for me to come into the house. So there was no wow. reason no reason other than divine intervention yeah, yeah. for those three guys to not, in fact, kill my dogs, shoot me, come in, kill the rest of my family, and then just, you know, <laughs> there was no reason because, yeah. you know, it was one of those perfect storms where everything was aligned in their favor. Everything wow. was aligned in their favor. You know, they wow. had the vehicle, the gate was open, my car door was there, the house's security gate was open, everybody was in the kitchen. So, so, so access was literally a matter of 10 steps, perhaps. Yeah. That was how close it was. And, um, and, and yet it didn't happen that way. And it was at that point that I realized that, you know, this has been a second opportunity for me. Mm, and wow. this was the opportunity for me to kind of um, just get out of that petulant brat behavior that went, I want that gold medal, ha, 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 and, and kind <laughs> of go, well, okay, so, you know, maybe the gold medal looks very different. Oh, I like that. Wow. You know, m maybe that gold medal is, is not that little disc that mm. you get to, to hang around an elaborate little ribbon. But maybe that gold medal looks different. And the gold medal is about saying, how do you now um, take that lesson and, 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 and learn a different skill? Yeah. And not only just you learn the different skill, do you actually teach others a different skill the skill that says you can survive you will survive you must survive and if you are oh, going to go down go down fighting yeah yeah you know and I, and I think that was the beginning of that journey into um learning krav maga and and subsequently then teaching it yeah you know um and in fact 
um, I'd ha I had in fact had a second opportunity to then use my, my, my skills when I had home invasion a couple of years um, after that, you know, mm. where it was just myself and my two kids at home. And again, someone had walked into my house, you know, um, climbed over the neighbor's wall, uh, gained access to, to my property, came into my house and again, you know, held us up at gunpoint in the house. And that was when I, I realized the difference in my reaction and my difference mm. in the behavior. And instead of kind of being this um, obnoxious, you don't tell me, you can't, you know, <laughs> <laughs> kind of, you know, <laughs> the, 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 that kind of butch kid that's going to go, you're not going to tell me, you're not coming into my house and, and kind of being this boisterous, uh, overbearing, um, uh, you know, don't tell me what to do kind of person. The reaction with the home invasion was a very, very different reaction. It was, okay, so, you know, very calm, very mm. collected. And, and in fact, time just slowed down because that's your training, you know. And, mm -hmm. and I, in fact, managed to, to literally stalk this guy out of my house without leaving anything to any violent outburst. In fact, I had de-escalated the point oh. that he literally, he literally left my house with an old cell phone. That was it. What? That was it. He did not, he did not take a single thing. Not a TV, not a radio, not a nothing. He didn't wow. touch my kids. He he slapped me about, but that was fine. And I can, I got pistol whipped in the face, but okay. Um, but that was just that de-escalation, you know, and, and just yeah. comparing those two incidences where I, I in fact escalated the one, which yeah. could have gone so wrong. And the second one was a complete de-escalation with this guy. Actually, I then just pushed him out of my gate, my, my front door. By the time I, I'd gotten him back to the front door, simply by calmly talking to him and engaging with him and going, what do you want? I don't understand what you're looking for. I don't understand what you're saying. And just backing him out of the, out of the lounge, you know, back out through yeah. the way he came. And by the time he'd realized that he's right back where he started 10 steps ago, um, he then realized, oh, this is not going quite as planned. And, and then um, I gave him one final shove, closed the security gate, and that was it, you know. And, and wow. I think that was, that was, again, the confirmation that yeah. where yeah. I was, was um, at a very different space. Yeah, to where I'd where I'd been, you know, with 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 the with the with the carjacking, and I think that was then confirmation for me that that gold medal looked very different now. And I must say, when I came through and saw what you were teaching, and how you were teaching that, and obviously you had not just girls, you also had yeah. guys there, you know, who were taking instruction from you and practicing that. And, and, and I, I, I must say there was just something very special about what you are doing. Uh, and that's why I just said, no, this, this is special, you know, this is because if you really look at the normies, oh, okay, you know, 
freak out, panic. You know, there's nothing you can do. But it's interesting as you relate the progression from the first story. In fact, the three stories, you know, your, your Olympic athletes are trying to compete, you know, to, to, to this situation that happened that you felt in retrospect that maybe you are not as careful. To this one where you de-escalated. Uh, clearly, you know, there's a, there's, a, there's a distinction and a difference. Uh, and it just speaks to, especially I think, human nature and the fact that I think if we have the right keys, we can almost unlock any door in people. If we are able Absolutely. to understand what is needed at any point, even in a crisis situation, Correct. We can, we, it can make the difference between life and death. It, it absolutely can, you know, and, and, and I think, you know, just if, if I reflect on, on those two incidences, you know, I, I, can, I can see um, the importance of, of not aggravating a situation and not escalating and not kind of going in there all bombastic and brash and kind of wanting to flex muscle. Because the, the reality of the situation is, and you know, I tell this to all my students that, you know, when you are confronted with somebody that has one sole intention to do you harm, you cannot fight that battle at that level. You can't. You, you can't fight that battle at that level. You are going to lose. Because in nine out of 10 cases, whether you are a woman or a man, your attacker is probably going to be bigger than you, stronger than you, hyped up on whatever illicit drug he may or may not have been taking. So you're, you're automatically at a distinct disadvantage. You're yeah. now putting, you know, uh, you, you're engaging in a bicep fight. And, and honestly, really, is that what you want to do? And, and, and my, my, my point is, don't fight at the same level as your attacker. You're going to lose. You're hmm. going to lose. You know, um, one of the things that, that we teach is, is, is smart de-escalation. Because... A smart fighter is is always going to going to win. Yeah. Yes, brute force is always going to be there. Brute force is always going to be there, and sadly, you know there are times when you have to engage in brute force. But if you're able to de-escalate a situation simply by being calm, simply by being responsible, logical and just not aggravating a situation. You can, in fact, walk away from that situation um, and love to tell the tale. You know? Um, yeah. So, so I'm actually curious, now oh. that we're talking about this, that maybe just talk about this program, because I, I know there's a lot that has gone into it. It's not only just your experience, but also the world we are finding ourselves in and some of the issues, you know, whether it's gender-based violence or whatever it is. I know this is one of the ambits, but also there's just also the element of just, you know, wanting to, to be able to be in a good position to be of agency to mm. yourself, whether it's to understand uh, engagement tactics, whatever the case is. Maybe just maybe talk about the program as a whole and the thinking behind it and how you so, package it and so on. So, so, the, so the program, you know, 
um, has its roots in, in probably um, a number of traditional martial arts um, and special ops training and tactics. Um, it is used by most special ops forces um, globally. And um, it is, I, th I think for the most significant difference is that it's not a sport. And this is something that, you know, I, I, tell, I tell my students this, I tell anybody that comes into a workshop, please understand that, you know, what you're going to learn is not a sport. Yeah. It is not there to win the medal. It is not there to, um, to, to get that, that belt or, or that, um, that particular accolade. It's there to save your life. Wow. And, and so just make that shift, you know, make that mental shift that goes, you are very likely fighting for your life. And when you understand that in the context of a particular situation, you also then have to remember that whatever you choose in that three or four seconds is going to live with you for the rest of your life. Wow. Now, very often, you know, when you hear about um, uh, acts of violence, whether it's home invasions, carjackings, attempted rapes, abductions, all of, you know, farm yeah. murders, all of these kinds of, you know, this pool of violence that we are almost always surrounded by, mm -hmm. you know, inevitably you hear people kind of do the, the almost... Um, typical narrative that goes, if that happens to me, I'll just shoot him. Or if that happens to me, I'll just... <laughs> you, you hear this narrative, you know, yeah. all the time. And, and it's a knee-jerk reaction. And it's people that, that kind of go, you know, intellectually, this is what I would like to do. I'd, I'd like to be able to lash out. I'd like to be able to be in a position where I can physically... Um, exert force against force, it, you know, and, and you kind of hear, you hear these narratives, you know, at various levels and with various levels of intensity where people get angry and people get offended and, and they want to, they want to do something and they want to be able to do something. And, and that's great because on the one hand that says you're ready to learn to do something. The other hand, however, is to always remember just, beca just because you can doesn't mean you should. Mm. Wow, I like that. You know, just, just because you can, you know, break someone's arm or leg or, you know, crush their larynx or whatever that is, you know, just because yeah. you can do that doesn't mean you should do it. Yeah. And one of the things, one of the mantras I have with all of my students is be kind to your conscience. Mm, because like that. in wow. that moment of, of assault, of intent to assault, yes, you're angry. Yes, you are wanting to survive. You're needing to survive. You, you, you're offended at the intrusion at the invasion you're you're offended at the sense of betrayal of and all of that yeah mm -hmm. you're there and and you want to kind of go stop just you know just don't do that to me 
don't come near me, don't touch me, don't violate me, don't any of those things, don't hurt me. And, and yes, we're angry. And we're angry and we remain angry for a long time post that event. But, but here's the thing, you know, eventually the anger dissipates as we heal from those yeah. physical and emotional traumas, that anger dissipates. And, and if you deal with the anger, and if you deal with the injury and you deal with the trauma, the anger will dissipate. But we'll, 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 what will never ever dissipate is the decision you made in that moment. Oh, wow. That's, that's profound. Be wow. Because that is the memory that will either imprison you or set you free for the rest of your life. Wow. And yeah, you know, we, we want to be able to lash out at, at an, an attacker. We want to be able to stab him and shoot him and fight with him and gouge his eyes out and, you know, all of those kinds of things. We want to do all of those things. And, and yeah. And, and you may be 15 or 17 or 25 or 35 when that happens. Yeah. And it's going to take you two or three or five or seven years to get over that, you know? Yeah. But what yeah. happens when you are 55 or 65? Yeah. Yes, your physical injury has now healed. By and large, the tra traumatic injury has, has been dealt with. And you've dealt with your trauma. But that mm. memory, that memory... Mm of that decision that you made in that moment is never ever going to go away. It, it's not. Yeah. So, so, so if so you choose to, you know, sorry, mm. if you choose to, 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 to kill that person in that moment of, mm -hmm. of blind rage, wow. you will never forget that decision. Wow. wow. 10, 15, 20 years down the line, you'll never forget it. Because it will have been a decision that you made in a moment of anger, in a moment of lashing out, in a moment of frustration, in a moment of need to survive. And rightly or wrongly, in that moment, you will never forget that in 20 years' time. So, so how, how do you go about training that to your students because i think that's profound because it's about you're reducing it to a decision to say within that split second or those split few seconds the decision you make is the most important it, yeah, how do you is. go about it, that you know it well, is about and and i say and i say to my students you've got you, you literally have three seconds to, de to to determine a life or death situation wow three seconds is all you have to decide whether you are going to be a prisoner of your conscience or you are going to be able to sleep soundly at night without um, eternal flashbacks because they will be there. Yeah. You know, and, and it is about consistent repetition. Re repeat, repeat, repeat. Train, because when you train your mind, your body will follow. When you train your mind to be calm, to be compliant, to not be aggressive, to de-escalate. You can make, you can make good decisions. 
will you always be able to avoid that situation? All I can do is pray that you never have to use the skill that you learn. Yeah. And I say this to my students all the time, you know, I, I pray yeah. that you never ever have to use the skills that I teach you. Easier situation where the probability of you using it exists. Absolutely. We live in a very violent environment. We yeah. live in a society where, you know, the value of life is quite, um, quite low. People don't value their lives. And so therefore they don't value your life. And, and we live in such enormous disparity um, at a whole host of levels that desperate people do desperate things. But the point is, you don't have to make a desperate decision. Like that. Wow. That's you, a you don't have to make a desperate decision. And you only learn to do that when you train, 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 train all the time. So, so is this, how, how does this, because I obviously came and just saw the cherry on top, mm -hmm. you know, the boot camp and how to, you know, twist somebody's arm and make them fall down. It was like, yes, I want to do that. You know? <laughs> and then you just, you find a very tiny person <laughs> collapsing a whole giant. And it's like, yeah, you know, the tactics and the techniques and all that. But obviously it sounds like there's a lot of mindset training that needs to happen. How Absolutely. does that happen? You know, you know, generally in, in terms of your programming, is that, you know, do you have a bootcamp experience and then there's an, an ongoing regiment of that yes. and, and a community to, that, is, that you can connect to and be part of? Because it's obviously something yes. that you, you'll forget if you don't really. <laughs> no, absolutely. Yes. I mean, yeah. there, there is a huge community and, you know, um, and the community is growing. And, 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 you know, at once you learn these particular techniques, you can then decide whether you want to, um, whether you want to, participate and be an active member of, of a, a Krav Maga community, or if you just want to kind of learn these things for just in case. And, and either way, that's fine. What do you call it, by the way? It's a word you it's use. Called, yeah, it's called Krav Maga is the, is the fighting technique. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. And, and they, they, they are huge communities, you know, all around the country, all around the world, in fact. And, and so you can choose, you know, where and if you want to join one of those communities wherever they are based and and just kind of refine those techniques by consistently training because the more you train your physical body the more you train your mental body mm. okay you know and and the more you the more you perfect your your skill the better your mind also then gets around each and every um, every technique you know we, we don't teach like you know volumes and volumes and volumes of techniques there are a handful of techniques that mm. you will repeat a gazillion times you know until they are in fact reflexive they become second nature they become not just something that you do but they become part of who you are yeah, and, I, I remember um, that there's a quote by, I think it was Bruce Lee about the one kick that is practiced 10,000 times 10, is more dangerous than 10,000. Than 10,000 <laughs> kicks. Absolutely. And it's exactly that, you know, we will train one particular technique for hours and hours. I mean, a lot of, or every single one of these techniques are pressure tested over 
hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of hours of training before they are you know, shared with our student body. Because it is a living skill, you know, the, the, the smarter um, the techniques are, the smarter the, the, the criminals are that get to use them, you know, and, yeah. and, and we've, got to, we've got to recognize and understand that it is a living thing, you know, what you learned today is going to be very different from the very same attack three years down the line. You know the um, the requirement for for a different or improved version of a particular skill. It's 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 just you know it's just a natural progression of how how we evolve, how we learn, how we learn to do things better and smarter, and with less aggression and more effect. You know because it you know your first your first port of call is always to subdue. And, and not, your default setting should never be to just kill. So I'm like, come on, you know, yeah, what yeah. are we? You know, we're not those people, <laughs> you know, at, at least we shouldn't be. You know, we shouldn't be kind of default setting, you know, I just want to take you out because you've now, you know, smashed my car window or you've held me up at gunpoint or whatever the case is, you know, that shouldn't be your default setting. Your default setting should be, how do I de-escalate this? Yeah, and and yeah. not, not not get it to a point where instead of we instead of having one you know one kind of altercation, you now have five, six, seven, ten people involved in an altercation. I mean, come on, that's just crazy, you know. That that becomes almost like you know this herd mentality, and and that's not okay. That is that's never okay. You know, one of the things that I've, um, I, I think I've, I've, I've become quite clear about mm. is that my purpose is to empower people. And, and whether that is at a, a personal um, self-defense level, uh, which I, you know, I, I, I always call my happy space, um, where I'm able to do that and just share with, with others who need it, you know, those techniques that will keep them safe or whether it is about making informed decisions, um, and, and this is where you, we kind of you know, move into the coaching aspect of, of, um, of my life. Yeah. Um, and, 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 and I think, you know, one of my favorite, favorite uh, um, authors and, and kind of speakers is Dr. John D. Martini, and he always says, you know, if, we, if we're not able to empower every aspect of our lives, we then become subordinate to what other people want for us or think is best for us. And, you know, for me, that was such a profound kind of sense of, yeah, that, that, that resonated with me. Because, you know, for me, it's about saying, well, if I can do the physical empowerment, you know, empowerment is an amazing thing because once you empower a small aspect of your life, it kind of, almost filters over into the next part. And then you kind of go, well, if I can do this, then I can also do this and I can also do that. And I can also do that. And, and then you kind of have this collective level of empowerment happening, both at a physical level, at an emotional level, at a psychological level. And then it, it kind of filters into the, 
well, okay, then maybe I can also do this at an academic level. And I can also do this at a professional level. And I can also do it at another level. And so the next, the next step for me is then also the, the, uh, the professional empowerment around the coaching. Mm -hmm. And I'm just getting people to make really informed and clever choices around what it is they want for their careers and how, what that looks like, you know, and, and how we make that happen. Because the physical stuff is easy, but, you know, we still have to live in, uh, in a non-physical, non non-violent environment a lot of the time. And so, you know, how do we make that a reality for ourselves in terms of just making smart choices around our careers, making smart choices with our children around their careers, around their academic decisions, you know, because all of that is going to inform our economic activity at some point and and why do we why do we face so much violence is because the disparity and the economic activity for so many people is just not there yeah and you know that level of there's no there, there's absolutely no um, no honor in poverty you know and so if we can say to say to our children and to our children's children you know you don't get to live um a lap of luxury or yeah. whatever that looks like to you, you know, um, by leaving school at, at, um, at the age of 13 or 14 or 15, because school just sucks. You, you, you yeah. don't get to do that, you know, but then at the same time, want a, a particular lifestyle. What, whatever yeah. that lifestyle looks like for you, you know, um, whether it's the house, the, the two cars, the, the swimming pool, whatever, you know, whatever that looks like for you. You don't get to have that. But then, you know, you walk out of school at, at, at grade five or grade six or grade seven. And yeah, school school's nasty for so many of us. You know, a lot of us didn't enjoy <laughs> school. But yeah. school, school is a stepping stone, you know. Yeah. It's a stepping stone because that allows you to... to to open the gate to the next level. Because without that key, you, you're not getting through that gate. Yeah. And, 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 and if we can kind of get that thinking to our kids, you know, school is not the be all and end all of life. It is one step, one step in a journey. You know, and, um, and that flight of stairs is, you know, there's a whole lot of stairs that you still yeah. need to travel up. Um, after you've, after you finished school, you know, um, school is only the first step. And yeah. in fact, it, yeah. it, it's a little bit like a landing, you know, you, 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 once you get to grade 12, you're at that landing. Now you've got to decide, you know, do you, do you take that next flight of stairs and what does that look like? And what does that mean? And, you know, how do you do that? And how do you do that in a way that makes sense? And how do you do that in a way that is informed? that you know is going to allow you to do what you love doing um, but can also provide for you the lifestyle that you want yeah yeah and and it's important to know what that looks like for you yeah wow so are there any thoughts any last thoughts that you probably want to share you know as we kind of wrap up no, not really. Look, I mean, I've spoken so much. I think it's time. Yeah. To <laughs> there, may be, there may be a word of wisdom, you know, that you just waited to fall. Because, <laughs> yeah, um, you know, honestly, I, I feel like I, we needed more time, but it's a pity that, you know, 
Um, but I'm grateful. At least we've had the yeah. opportunity to talk about yeah. what you've Look, been I mean, doing. We, we, if you, if you, if you, if you, if you like, you know, we can always reschedule a second one around um, if if you want to do a follow up, and that's absolutely fine. But I think you know, for for me, one of the things that um, has become so incredibly profound is that knowing what you want, yeah. knowing what you believe. Yeah. And knowing how you're going to measure that are the three things that have become almost a foundation for me, you know, yeah. in, in my life. Knowing what you want, knowing what you believe, and knowing how you're going to get there. You know, the rest is pie in the sky. You know, it's speculative conversations. It's, um, it's would-haves, could-haves, should-haves. You know, those yeah. are not useful conversations to have, not with yourself or with anybody else. Decide what you want to do and then decide, you know, what makes sense in terms of how you're going to get there. And, and mm. you know, always, always be honest with yourself. Always be honest with, with yourself about the things you want and more importantly, the things you don't want. You know, because we, we, yeah. we sometimes tend to get swayed into situations by parents, teachers, iconic uh, uh, role models and all the rest of that, you know. And, and we think that those are the things that we want. And, and maybe yeah. it is, you know. But, but if, you, if, you, if you're able to be honest about what it is you want and what it is you don't want, you know, and sometimes those are really, really hard conversations to have. But yeah. if, we, if, if we can get to that point where we say, well, this is what I want, you know, going after what you actually want, you, you never need anybody to motivate you. You, you, yeah. will, you will have that motivation from, from within. You know, it's, it's when you're trying to achieve something someone else wants that you kind of find that the motivation levels take a, a nosedive. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Thank you. Thank you so much, uh, Renata. I appreciate it. Oh, such a pleasure. Such, and... such a pleasure. I would like to ask two favors of you as a listener of the Timitude podcast. One is to share this with someone who you know would benefit from as we seek to bring out the best inspirational content featuring thinkers, dreamers, makers, movers, and trailblazers. The second request is for you to kindly leave us a rating in whichever platform you're listening to. We are available on all major podcast platforms, including Apple and Google Podcasts, Spotify, and also recently on YouTube. Also, don't forget to connect with us on social media, and subscribe to our channel on YouTube. We can connect on at Timitude on Twitter and Timitude on YouTube and on Timitude.com. Once again, thank you for being part of the Timitude community.